0: We are the Knights of Awakening.
1: Good morning and evening. We are the Knights of Awakening, broadcasting live from our corners of the universe to yours. We are your host Knights, David and Justin, reaching out to all of you, our brothers and sisters, wherever you may call home. Do we need evil in order to be good? No.
0: No, Why no, no. What's the opposite of a possum sandwich?
1: What's a the ra- opposite of a, a raccoon concept? sandwich? <laughs> it's a,
0: a, a, no, there, there, there's no opposite of a daffodil. Yeah. All it's these true. polar opposites you got in your mind—it's all that's all associations—and you can you can make them as concrete as you want them to be, but that don't mean that that connection is there. Not in reality.
1: Dualities are kind of tricky. Is it something we're born with or something that we're taught? Like, do we learn to to place things in opposition of each other uh, in order to understand it, or is that just a natural thing that we do?
0: It it is a very common motif within Western civilization. Mm. Uh, the Eastern people, if you study, if you go look at a Zen garden, you can't find where where the um, nature has stopped and, and the, the sculpting of man has started. They're, they're they're both so intertwined so well, you don't know exactly what was natural and what was put there on purpose. Yeah. Because in their philosophy, they don't have what what we call the fall of man. Uh, man never became opposed to nature. We stayed the same. We're still in the. We're still as the same as everything else. So they don't have. They don't subscribe to that duality. They don't pronounce it in everything else that they do. It's not in their books. It's not in their stories. Um, Dad putting his kids to bed at night and he's reading them a story, it doesn't contain those elements. It contains elements of of harmony and everything working together Mm -hmm. and uh, inclusiveness and and all that. So, no, it's definitely a product of our culture.
1: Why do we do that, though? Like, of course, you and I grew up in this – we grew up in this this culture, and and we both have learned – other cultures over time on our own. And you definitely see, you see duality here, good and bad, light and dark, uh, white and black. We don't see that. The further east you go, you're right, you don't see that.
0: I would say it's the love of logic. You know, it started with the Greeks. They really loved reason. They really loved the ability to to think things through. Um, That's a very programmistic way of perceiving reality right
1: yeah.
0: you're, write, you're writing your own program but still at the end of the day it is a program it ain't it, that isn't how your perception um, came out of the womb that's why we have to train little kids on how to act because they don't mm-hmm. know
1: you see what I mean so it yeah. starts
0: whenever they're toddlers I'm
1: watching we uh, have been
0: indoctrinated
1: we have we have we have been domesticated, as uh, as one would put it. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the boys. It's a show called the boys on Amazon Prime. I'm trying not to spoil it for anybody who's never seen it, but it's basically about what if people with superhero level abilities existed in a more realistic world setting like ours, right? Like, you know comic books things like that superman's very superman's very uh altruistic he's very happy go lucky he's very boy scoutish he's very perfect in a lot of ways you know he does have he does have these these slight struggles but he doesn't struggle like we do as regular people and this show the boys there there is a character he's kind of probably like a mix between well I I think they're probably trying to make him the "quote unquote" super Superman hero type. Uh, his name is Homelander, and he is a bad, 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 bad dude. And I know someone's going to yell at me for comparing Superman to Homelander, but it it just helps illustrate my point. Where there's, they have these these uh, group of heroes. They call them heroes, but they they don't do a lot of heroing. Man, they're like they're. It would be what what you would expect if a bunch of just normal people had powers like like super super superpowers like superman level powers and they just wreck things and they're just accidentally killing people and it's just no big deal to them because they're you know they see themselves above but the show the show gets to a point where they want to get into the military so that the company the company that uh created the heroes wants them to be in the military so uh, this Homelander character and again, spoiler warnings. For me, he hasn't seen the boys yet, and if you want to see it, plug your ears for like ten more seconds. Anyways, he uh, he goes out and starts dispersing this chemical that's actually used to create the heroes, or the superpower beings, and he's creating these villains so that the good, so the quote unquote good people have some quote unquote bad people to fight, and of course they follow the real world labeling of things, you know, anything that's a terrorist since nine eleven, anything labeled a terrorist is evil and bad, right? Uh, whether that's whether they're actually terrorists or not, that's how we, you know bring people to one side versus the other side. And so he he has to create these he's creating these super at first they're calling them super terrorists and then people aren't buying that term. they do all this market research and stuff. And they, you know, they finally settle on supervillain because it's, it's very, it's more appealing to the, to people's ears. They hear supervillain, so it automatically helps put them in this different category of, well, this guy. So, so this guy Homelander, you know, he may have accidentally killed um, 15 or 20 people while trying to kill one of these quote-unquote super terrorists, but that's okay because he's fighting the quote-unquote villains. We see almost like this need to have this separation, so that we know how to act. I think a lot of people, and I know, and, and I know it goes back to what you were saying. This is kind of how we were domesticated, in a way, especially on the, in this on this half of the planet. How do we start breaking away from that? Like we have this, we have this clear-cut idea of good versus evil, and some people will never act quote-unquote good. Unless they have some quote unquote evil to fight against, what do you think? I don't know.
0: That's a really hard question. I, w- I would say just introspection would be the, the the way I did it. How did how did you do it? How did you escape the gravity of it yourself? You just p- point blank ask yourself, well, if all things have you know these opposites or whatever, what is the opposite of this? What is the opposite of that? And question your question your meaning, question your associations, really. Is that really the opposite of that, you know?
1: Right. Um, is there an opposite? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And you'll you'll find once you once you run down enough of these is like all of your perception is pointing out in these lines like spokes on a bicycle tire. And there's a what what do you call that a lowest common denominator? Mhm. Which is which is the axle of the of the tire itself. And that's where you are. You're looking out at all these different things, and you're placing this across from that, and this in relation to that. But really, no. It's um, you're making all those things become what they are.
1: Mm-hmm. It was the for me. It started with the with the idea that um, I might have to shoot at other soldiers simply because they're wearing a different uniform than me. So right. Once you start thinking, well, once you start realizing that, you start to you start to question things like, well, yeah, but they they're just soldiers just like me. They just have a different set of uh, leaders, and they're telling them to shoot at me too. My my guys are telling me to shoot at them. We both think we're the good guys. Where is the uh, duality here? If everybody is the good guy and nobody is the quote-unquote bad guy, I had to start questioning whether those dualities exist. Well,
0: there's judgments to be had from inside and without, you know, from that mm-hmm. situation. Um, there, there would be people that are against war and they're, they're pacifists or whatever, and they say, all of you guys are bad guys. It don't matter. You're exactly. you willing to do that to each other. Um, and then some people, are, they're in the thick of it. They're not trying to kill the enemy. They're trying to save themselves and their buddies.
1: They're trying to the live. The guy yeah. next to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so can you can you knock him for that, really?
1: Is there an opposite to that? It's not like that? he can
0: quit. I mean, yeah. It's not like he can quit.
1: Right. <laughs> but yeah. When you start down that road of lifting a veil, as it were, and these things blend together, they're just, and we shouldn't be using black and white terms to dictate our behavior. At least I don't think we should be. I mean, that never worked out for me. So I guess I can only speak for myself uh, when I say that, that you know, I, I'm certainly once I once I stopped looking at things black in such black and white terms, things were never the same, and I'll never look back. I can't. It's hard for me to even remember the dualities that that I carried with me, uh, because I can understand that that it's not just you know it's the whole shade of gray thing. It's dependent on things that aren't so cut and dry. It's dependent on circumstances, uh, personalities allegiances, alliances, ideas. There's a lot more to it at the end of the day, right? It's not just, oh, I'm the good guy, they're the bad guy. If somebody flew airplanes over my country and started dropping off, I'd be pissed off and I would say they're the bad guys too. No matter the reasoning, and, and there isn't just one side versus one side. There's, uh, there's six sides, there's 20 sides, there are 18 sides, and they're all vying for a piece of that pie, and they all have their own reasonings, and they're all the good guys, right? They all think they're the good guys.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, that's just looking at things linearly. Um,
1: yeah,
0: I found uh, in, in my studies that um, logic has a hard time dealing with things that are cyclical. If you study, if you look at, if you look at the the water cycle, the life cycle, um, mm-hmm. the, the way temperature fluctuates up, just the the way we measure temperature, you know, we call it how how hot is it, or 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 if you're in the negative, you're how cold is it? But really, there is no cold. We call it, you know, w- w- even scientists themselves will tell you there's no such thing as cold. What you're measuring is an amount of heat, even though it can be approaching, you know, uh, Kelvin. You know, zero right. degrees Kelvin. Uh, it can be really cold, but it's still an increment of heat. Yes. Um, and life and death, we call it the life cycle. You might as well call it the death cycle, too. It's it's the same thing. People are dead. They don't exist. They're born. They reproduce. And then they go back to being dead again. So it makes this spiral. And if you, if you lay like a, 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 a screw on its side in a pan of water, and the water's going up halfway, uh, covering half the screw up, and you can see what's on top of the water, and you can't see what's below the water, and we just pick which one or the other we want to call things, you know. Mm-hmm. When when really, it's all the same thing. It's all one thing, but our logic does not allow us to call it by both of its all of its total name. We have to pick one or the other, because logic cannot understand the whole thing being a cycle and call it for what it
1: is. Mm-hmm.
0: You, see, you see where I'm going with that? Yeah.
1: These ideas, of course, permeate our culture, like you said, but, but, I mean, even to a point where we, I mean, even, we even run our lives here. And maybe I'm just talking about maybe our country at this point. I mean, of course, we're not the only democracy. There are other democracies. Ours is a little different in how it does things. But this whole idea of, of good guys and bad guys, it permeates every single bit of our daily lives here. Mm-hmm. in extreme ways sometimes like like lately the whole red versus blue thing there's a lot of people dude there's a lot of people who are not red or blue i'm one of them and i'm not going to break off into politics here but cuz i mean that that's a big big enough shit show already however this idea of dualities it gets us in trouble it's not always bad i shouldn't say it like that it's not always bad but it does cause problems and right now we're, you know, in the political arenas we're seeing it, uh, in the social arenas we're seeing it, and social I'm including media in that. You know, we're seeing this dual uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do that, when you look at things from the lens of, of, of dualistic thinking, there has to always be a bad guy to your good guy. There always has to be somebody that is in, in opposition of you, not next to you, not not who may have a, a difference of opinion, but they are against you. You see, you see, how I'm going with this. Like when, when we start, when we start taking these ideals to the extreme, and people have lately over the last probably five years at least, five six years, mm-hmm. maybe a little longer, uh, it starts to become dangerous because now everybody is your enemy.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems to me like you're you're really trying to pinpoint the, the heuristic uh, nature of. Or duality where you know rules of thumb are are established you know mm-hmm. you, you start out with sentience what what does sentience mean what is sentience you know the definition
1: i'm going to give you the best sh- my best shot it's just awareness of of existence right
0: no not, no the textbook definition of sentience is the ability to feel pain but You're basically right, too. I mean, that's what it is. But within the ability to feel pain, you you naturally have the aversion to pain. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: what is another way of rephrasing the aversion of pain? That would be the um, seeking of pleasure, the seeking of what is good, right? (laughs) So right off the bat, because you have a brain and you're thinking as an individual, you're going to seek out what is better for you, and you're going to shun or move away or dislike or hate what you perceive, and that's the key word, what you perceive is bad for you. Um, So you go through life. There's certain people that are going to help you. There's certain people that are going to work directly against you. Those, Those numbers of people are very few. There's very few people in this world that is behind you, helping you, actively pushing you forward. There's very few people that are out to get you. Most of the people are just struggling themselves, and they have no relation to you at all. But yet, if you if you make the jump, if, and if you become absolute and you say, "If you're not with me, you're against me," that kind of thinking, then everybody in the world is an enemy, right? Everybody that's not on your side,
1: right? And you have no idea whether they're on your your quote unquote side or not. They could be, you just don't perceive it that way, right? Right. You know? uh, Let's take politics as, as the best example as I can give. The highest office in this country, the United States, is elected by the same people every four years. And when I say the same people, I mean the majority of the people, the majority of the electorate are moderate. Politically, they're moderate. They're, they're in the middle left, middle right. People always assume that it's just the quote-unquote right or left or red or blue or um, liberal, conservative that elects our leaders, our, our representatives, it's not. It's the moderates it's because that's the largest piece of it. It's the gray area. It's the people who have not sworn allegiance to any party or party ideas. They're people looking out at the world from a perspective of what the world, what they need from the world and what they can do for the world. There isn't this, this higher ideal, conservative versus liberal, or red versus blue. So. These people, although many of them, myself included, from time to time get caught up in the dualistic thinking, the same people that voted for President Obama are the same people that voted for Donald Trump, because the majority is the majority, and the majority of people aren't affiliated. And I just use politics as an example, because it's the best one I can think of right now. Uh, spiritually, we we see it spiritually too a lot. Uh, you see spiritual groups that are, uh, you know, you have so many people in this group and you have so many people in that group, and um, but the majority of spiritual people don't think left-handed right-handed. They don't think dark versus light, good versus evil. They are just existing in the spiritual nature of their being, whatever it is they're doing, and it changes from time to time. You know, if I were to sit here and track my my roadmap of spiritual experiences and spiritual teachings and and practices, I would be all over the place. You know, as I know you were too. I think that's you know kind of the traits that people like you and I. That's why we get together. That's why we kind of come together because we we do share some of these subconscious traits. I don't know if we're doing them on purpose or not. Probably not. I know I'm not. But it's it's the non-dualistic. Perspective that is the majority, and to think and to, to, to think in things of black and white, no matter what you're applying it to, um, is is definitely unnatural. As you said at the beginning of this, says, you know, I keep coming back to that. Nature, nature is not dualistic, is it? Well, Alex? you got
0: you got to address that. that to see the duality is a, coming from a, a point of ignorance. You know, like um, yeah. you you live in a world where the concepts of night and day are common, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Everyone that just heard me say that knows exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. But if
0: you go out there where the satellites are or out next to (laughs) the sun or whatever, there is no such thing as night and day. It's just a blue ball spinning in space. So um, whenever, you know, we were talking about that axial point earlier, whenever your perception is confined to one little space and you're looking out and you, and you can't move from that one little space, it will appear. Things will appear that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're sitting all the way up in the front left-hand corner of the classroom and the clock is like in the center of the classroom right in the middle, you know that you can't walk out as soon as that minute hand clicks on the 12 because you still got two and a half minutes left. Because yeah. your vision is, is askewed because you're sitting to the, the side of the clock. In your mind, you have to account for that that parallax, you know. Yeah. Um, and you just can't, it's really hard uh, to account for that when you continuously place yourself in front of systems that were designed to draw you into thinking otherwise. You know, yeah.
1: things
0: that things that have an agenda or whatever. That they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and you you can say, well, it's just marketing. But marketing works. That's why they people keep buying commercial time. You know, if it didn't work, companies wouldn't waste waste money on it. You know, right. so um, yeah. You just you, so you have to control when when you're dealing with your judgment. You have to base it from a a, a well grounded perception, but also you have to limit your perception to other things that would um, influence it one way or the other for the worse. No longer do we live in an age where you. You can't figure out something. You don't need to know anything. You can look it up on Google. And
1: right, it. right.
0: The days of learning are over. You don't need to know anything. You just need to know where to find it.
1: Just know how to get it, yeah. What,
0: what, what search terms do you need to be able to find it? So with, with that kind of stuff, it we have found ourselves in the middle of a, a day of misinformation. There's more wrong stuff out there than there is right. How do you pick through it?
1: So there is things that are right and things that are wrong.
0: No, I didn't say. I, I meant right and wrong as in terms of correct or
1: incorrect. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Our language is horrible, by the way. I, yeah. <laughs> the English language is so bad for for clarity. It's
0: so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Try being born and raised in Georgia. Oh,
1: See what man. you get. Uh, you know what? That's everywhere. That's just that's just a difference in some dialect and some some accent. But our language is kind of no wonder why people have a hard time really understanding what we're saying if if, if this isn't their second, if their first language. Hell, I, this is my first language. Sometimes I have trouble here understanding what I'm saying. Let me ask you this: Is it okay to have a dualistic point of view towards anything in the world? Oh yeah, definitely.
0: I much prefer standing at the top of the Empire State Building, um, looking out at all the cool buildings and the ants, uh, people that look like ants on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. I much prefer that than to jumping off the side of it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Within that one preference, I've already spun myself into a world of dichotomies. So the trick, I would say, what you're asking me for is to have it. And and just like the same argument with fear, it's, fear is natural. Fear is going to happen, yeah. but you can't let it control you. It's all about how far you let it, you know, control your behavior. And a lot of people right now, they can't. They can't tell the difference between their own ideas and reality, so they get all worked up into a a political frenzy and do some stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's not being in control of yourself anymore. That's letting other things influence your thoughts.
1: I've noticed a pattern in in myself where when I am learning or teaching spirituality, the first thing that we're trying to get rid of is to adjust the way we judge, or to be mind more mindful when we're judging things, not just judging people but things like judging everything, and that starts mm-hmm. that starts with the perspective that you start out with right
0: well you don't you don't have to do it piecemeal i mean yeah. you 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 can think you can think about it specifically it is your meter, right, so you can break everything down to its simplest forms and and deal with it there. Um, before it gets amplified into all these other minute uh, decisions down the road, mm-hmm. and it reshuffles the whole deck. If you, you know, if, if you're dealing with it mindfully, you can you can meditate and make that a make that an object of meditation. Like, okay, what? How am how am I going to um, judge stuff up now? How am I going to think about things, and and actively choose what you want to think about things like um for example coming out of the obama era i was on a war path against islam right Mm -hmm. and everybody's like oh you're being racist racist blah 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 i'm like no it has nothing to do with race it's about a religion it's about an ideology Mm -hmm. and i couldn't get them to understand this but needless to say um now that we're you know eight maybe eight years away, I think it's been a while since any major building has blown up by someone named Muhammad uh, that was screaming, by the way, um, Allah Akbar and all that stuff that they do. Uh, Now that it has stopped, you'll find me a little bit different of a person because Mm -hmm. at the time I was responding to what I was seeing in the world. Now it's not Mm -hmm. happening or not happening as much, so now I have a different shift of perspective of what the uh when you're thinking in terms of what is the greatest threat to my country, I don't see it as Islam anymore. So I'm not on the I'm not on the defense against them and I'm not um attacking them in any way. They have just as much right to believe what they want to believe as everyone else as long as those beliefs do not cause them to hurt other people. It's just that simple. I can't make it any simpler than that. Right? Yeah. But now now the biggest threat is not Islam anymore. It's another group of people. So I have to respond in that way. And five years from now, the, the, the problem may have shifted to yet another group of people. So it's, mm-hmm. it's all about, you know, within this train of thought that I'm dealing with right now, it's all about, we're talking about um, terror management and all that. We're talking about what we see as friend or foe. Mm-hmm. I'm just dealing with it on a national level, and just for sake of conversation. But it, it changes. It changes from year to year. It changes from presidency to presidency because whenever they get in and they start changing the laws, other countries respond to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and depending depending on what has been done, determines whether or not we need to worry about Russia or China or Iran or or whoever. You know. Yeah. So uh, you can you can think mindfully, and you can say, well, you know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold it against this country that they're responding to this way to my country because we've doing this, well that's great. Um, you're you're no longer what do you call it, wrapped up in the soap opera of the, the drama of the soap opera. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, if 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 one of the characters dies or uh gets knocked on the head and has a concussion and can't remember their history and all that, it doesn't destroy your little world that you're in, whatever, that's fine. But if you want to Uh, If you decide, you know, in in, in your mindfulness meditation, well, I want to actively work against these forces that are doing this, you can't do that by sitting on the couch and not worrying about it because it doesn't matter to you. Mm -hmm. So you have to pick up the torch and you have to uh, get your hands dirty in in those thoughts that might tend to make you mad, but you have to be able to control it so you can't go too far and, you know, be scaling any walls, breaking any buildings. That's just crazy. Well, I hope that, that ramble made sense, man.
1: No, no, it does because it brings us it brings us to the point of participation. You know, you and I have have shared this this understanding for many years now that it's all of these things that we do bring us to the point of where we where we're now capable of participating with the best versions of ourselves. Mindfulness is a part of that, but. You have to get to the point where, 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 like you said, we have to participate now. You and I founded a group called the Knights of Awakening, the key word being Knights. Another key word being Awakening. Well, Awakening is great and it happens and it's powerful. What are you going to do with that? That's where the Knight comes in. The point is participation is important there. You have to get up. You have to use what you've learned and use what what you've gained to work towards the best outcome possible. That'll do it for this episode. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. And until then, awaken the night within.